You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode number 75 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Death Trophy. Death Trophy hails from the unlikely Bozeman, Montana, coming together by four friends frustrated with their surroundings and the urge to play hardcore-fueled punk rock amongst their peers. The band features members of Goners UK, Randall Scott Experience, and As the Crow Flies. For more information on the band, check out facebook.com forward slash death trophy and Instagram at death trophy. Now here it is, their new single, Fight for Your Life. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Campbell Benzonato, he was on there, he was waiting for me While the punk rockers and the moon stompers Were out on the corners where they spared the change Hey, this is Lars Fredrickson from Rancid, the old firm Casuals, Oxy's Midnight Runner, Stumper 98, and The Last Resort And you're listening to that one time on tour Darkest night of two 
Hey everybody, what is going on out there in podcast land? This is Chris Swinney. As always, I am your host for that one time on tour. If you're joining me for the first time, this is my podcast where I get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry. I surprised you guys this past weekend with episode number 74 dropping on Saturday with Jen Razavi from the Bomb Pops. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was so much fun getting to speak with Jen, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to keep you guys on your toes, so I put it out this past weekend, and I had a lot of emails from people wanting to know if I was still going to have my regular Wednesday episode available, and yes, you're here right now listening to episode number 75 with Lars Fredrickson from Rancid, the old firm casuals, Lars Fredrickson and the Bastards. And still so many other bands. I mean, he he's a, he likes to stay busy. He is in a million bands and he is one of the best dudes ever. And we had such a great conversation. And one of the reasons I wanted to have him come on the show is the old firm casuals. They're playing this big show out in Oakland, California this coming weekend on October 20th. They're playing in Oakland with uh, a bunch of other bands, and it's part of this huge weekend for Pirates Press Records. It's their 15-year anniversary weekend. You can get more information at rocktheshipfestival.com, but check it out. It's so many great bands, and they're just the whole weekend is just going to be rocking in Oakland, so you need to check that out, rocktheshipfestival.com. We talk about it in the conversation as well, so you guys will get all the details, and all the details will also be in the show notes, so check that out. So before I get to my conversation with Lars, I do need to take care of some housekeeping. I need to tell you guys about my sponsors, my amazing sponsors, The Merch Planet, themerchplanet.com. They're an amazing company that makes merchandise for bands or companies or, or whoever needs merchandise. You can hit them up and they'll take care of you. Make sure to use my promo code TOTOT15 to get 15% off your order. So go check out themerchplanet.com. Permanence Tattoo Gallery right here in central Indiana. Anderson, Indiana, downtown on Meridian Street. Go to Permanence Tattoo Gallery owned by my good buddy and past guest of the show, Mr. Jacob Harrison. They will hook you guys up with some amazing ink. They're one of my favorite shops in the entire United States. And if you guys are not local, you need to come here to Central Indiana and go to Permanence Tattoo Gallery. You can find info on them on all the social media platforms at Permanence Tattoo Gallery. So that's all of the sponsors, all the crap that I had to tell you guys about, but uh, I love all my sponsors. They're wonderful and they help keep the lights on here at that one time on tour. But another way that we can kind of keep the lights on is you. You don't have a band, you don't have a company. That's fine. You can become a patron. Go to patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast. Get involved at the $5 level and you get access to all kinds of bonus episodes and exclusive content. Uh, we had a contest a couple weeks back. Carl and Jackie were our winners, and your prize packs are in the mail. You should be getting them soon. Please let me know when you do receive them so they didn't get lost in the mail. But uh, become a patron. Help us out. If you don't want to become a patron, but you still think what we do is you know cool and you enjoy it, the very least you could do is leave us a rate and a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Also subscribe. That helps out quite a bit as well with our numbers and whatnot, you know, with our chart position so people can find the show. Okay, so I'm going to get out of here. I'm not going to keep talking. I want to get right into my conversation 
with Lars Fredrickson from Rancid, the old from Casuals, and all the other great bands that he plays in. I would like to tell you guys we are on all the social media platforms. It's at TOTOT Podcast. I hang out mostly on Instagram, so go check us out there. If you have a band or a company and you want to get involved, you want to become a sponsor, sponsor an episode or two, hit me up, TOTOT Podcast at gmail.com. So that's it. That's my spiel. That's all I got today. No TOTOT radio, uh, no top five list. We're going to get right into it. I want to keep this as short as possible. So here it is, guys and girls. This is my conversation with Lars Fredrickson from Rancid, the Old Firm Casuals, and a bunch of other amazing pants. Here we go. And I'm on the line with Mr. Lars Fredrickson from Rancid, the Old Firm Casuals, and a bunch of other bands. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad we could do this. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It means a lot to me. Yeah, of course. Thanks. It's a pleasure. So uh, before we get this going, I did want to tell you that I got into punk when I was in high school, and uh, my first ever punk show was I went to see The Offspring at 2nd Avenue in Indianapolis, Indiana oh, yeah. in 1994, and you guys opened the show, so you were officially the first punk band that I ever saw. <laughs> you sure that was in 95? I, I did some research the other night because I was going to talk to you. So I was like, I wanted to know. I thought it was 95. But what I found on the tour poster was actually October 19th, 1994. But I mean, maybe that's wrong. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you know what? I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm 90% positive that was 90, 1995. Okay, well, either way, you guys changed my whole worldview oh, of music and everything. So right off the top of the show, I just I had oh, to tell well, you. Well, thank you very much. That means a lot. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I want to talk to you. I mean, everybody knows a lot about Rancid. I'm sure we'll hit some of that. But old firm casuals, I got to say, Pirates Press sent me the new record, and I I can't get enough of it, man. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, thank you. And uh, what I wanted to talk about right off the show, it's it's really cool that you guys are doing this, uh, the 15-year anniversary weekend of Pirates Press Records, the Rock the Ship Festival. Yep. You guys are playing on the 20th of October in Correct. Oakland at the Starline Social Club Ballroom. Correct. Are, are you guys just jazzed about that? That's kind of a hometown gig, right? Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting since, you know, that I'm going to be playing in New York City with Rancid the night before, so... Um, it'll be a little bit of a travel day, but you know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll have fun. Um, yeah, you know, you always get sort of excited when you're playing, you know, around the hometown. Uh, I've never actually, I don't think I've ever actually been to that place that we're actually, that we're playing. So that'll be, um, a little different as well. So it's always nice to get into kind of new spots and check them out. And, you know, the gigs, the gig for sure. Yeah, I've been uh, pushing that whole weekend a lot on the show lately. Uh, I talked to Skippy and we did like a little promo kind of thing because, I mean, I just think it's so great what Pirates Press does. And I know with the new record, I'm going to try to pronounce it. My Danish is not wonderful. Halger Danska. Uh, it's Holger Dansk. Holger Danska. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, that's the new record on Pirates Press. You guys could have kind of released that. I mean, in my mind, I would think anybody would probably want to put it out. Why did you guys decide to work with Pirates Press? I know you've worked with them for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, you know, the in the um, early formation of the band, we, we basically knew that at some point it would be great to go to Pirates Press because I had known Skippy 
um, for, for a lot of years, you know what I mean? And, and, but I also wanted to, to, you know, give it time when the, when it was the right time and, and place. So, uh, you know, when, when I, um, started talking with, with the guys from Oi the Boat, they sort of wanted to put it out sight unseen, unheard, you know? So I was like, okay, yeah. you know, automatically that's a win in my boat. So that's why we stayed with them for so long. And I, and I liked what Joe and Max were doing over there at, at Oi the Boat. And, um, in turn, you know, hooked up with Rondala uh, over in Germany to do the, all the European stuff. And uh, it just came to a point for us, us where, where, I, where, I, where I think we needed to sort of um, keep it all, all kind of under one roof, you know, when it came to, or at least get closer to it as far as, yeah. you know, Skippy is, you know, tw- well, I mean, I live in San Francisco and he lives over in Emeryville. So what used to be a 15 minute, ride is now an hour but just because all the yuppie tech kooks that have moved into this town and destroyed it but yeah um you're not all yeah i mean you know one one big earthquake will come and they'll all scatter again you know wherever they're from but you know until that point um and then and back on topic uh i want i I i thought just that the time was right to kind of bring everything over there and of course it's it's put out in europe with um, Demons Run Amok, which, which is a great label over in Germany. So it sounds like you got kids, huh? I, I do. I didn't know if you could hear that. I, I have a, a three-year-old and uh, my daughter is going to be two next week. Oh, damn. You're in the shit, bro. Um, I, I know and I've got this little studio in the back where I do the podcasting, yeah. but uh, they just woke up from a nap and okay. they are going crazy. Yeah, no, I get it. I got a, I got a 12 and a seven-year-old, so I, I've been there. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, so I, I just I think for, for at the end of the day, we wanted to be somewhere that was local, like a place that we could go and drive to, you know, and 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 see everything. And it's worked out to our benefit for sure, you know. And I mean, you guys can even go pick up the records if you wanted, right? Yeah, from the no, warehouse. for sure. For sure. But uh, but I mean, that's the thing. The relationship that I had with Skippy on the personal level, uh, you know, I knew that like it wasn't going to be that far of a stretch. Um to sort of deal with him, you know, on this kind of level. So, uh, like I said, I had a great awareness and we had a, and an already, uh, a pretty good friendship. So it just, it just made sense. So, and this new record is a few firsts. It's not only your first full length for pirates press. It's also your first full length as a four piece. So what was the, what was the decision like to bring another person into the group? Well, we brought Gabe into the band prior to the, uh, this means war. Uh, its release. So we, we we had made the record, and at Casey and Paul were 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 always, you know, pretty adamant about getting another guy. And and I yeah. knew that we we would eventually have to do that. But the songwriting that we were doing at the time when we were just a three piece, you know, I was writing the majority of the songs for a three piece, and yeah. or if the guys had ideas, then I would take them and structure them and and sort of write them as a three piece, you know, because when you're playing with just guitar, you know, vocals, bass and drums, you know, I I sort of approached the songwriting a little differently. And, um, I felt like we kind of needed to grow. Like I knew it was going to be a natural progression. I didn't want to jump into anything too soon. And also, you know, it was pretty easy, just the three of us, you know, and you know, when you, sometimes when you add, uh, uh, another, um, 
you know, personality into the mix, you can either really, you know, even, you know, intensify uh, the already, you know, um, strong camaraderie that you share, or it can, you know, or it's hard to come, it's, it's hard to kind of come into a band that's already been established, you know, and I have that experience with Rancid, of course, but, you know, our personalities really meshed, you know, so that's what made it work. You know, there was a, there was a, uh, a chemistry, you know, that was pretty much instantaneous between me, Matt, Tim and Brett, you know? So, um, and in this case, I what you know, Gabe was playing with the Sydney ducks and I, and Gabe had been around the San Francisco. I mean, he's from San Francisco. So he'd been around the San Francisco punk scene, um, you know, for all of his life. I mean, I remember him seeing him around, uh, you know, 20 years ago. So I knew him, I knew of him. I didn't know him. But what, when he when he really kind of caught my eye, and, and I could kind of see his what what he was able to do with the guitar was when I saw him play with the Sydney Ducks, and they had opened for the old firm a few times, and I and I thought to myself a year before he joined the band, maybe even a little longer, I said if we're going to get another guitar player, that's our guy, yeah, you know, because he, he he just seemed like he would fit with us, and he was about the same age as all of us. Um, and he understood like, you know, what the music was about and it was, um, you know, just, it just seemed like the right thing to do, you know? So when, uh, when it came time, you know, and I knew a lot of the guys in the Sydney Ducks, you know, Mike Longshot and Carl, and we were at Colin from Cox Bar's birthday over, it was a pirates thing. And And I was over there hanging out and both Mike and Carl both came up to me and said, you need to get Gabe as your other guitar player. And I said, okay, well, and then Carl, I think the singer for the Sydney Ducks gave me his Gabe's number because Carl and, and Mike who were both in the Sydney Ducks with Gabe were just like, he's, you know, he will fit with you guys. He wants to do kind of what you guys are doing. And so I called up Gabe and literally we had four practices and he was doing a European tour with us, you know? Wow. That's crazy, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I mean, and thankfully we did because it's, you know, at the end of the day, what he's brought to the table for this band, you know, his talent and the way he sees things and plays things, you know, I, you know, I remember we, we were in Brazil and, uh, Kirk Hammett from Metallica came up to me and he's like, I heard you got Gabe Gavriloff in your band. And I was like, how the fuck do you know this guy? Right. <laughs> And, uh, that's awesome yeah, and he's like yeah he's in you know kirk hammett's like basically yeah he's a fucking he's got a unique style he's like a total genius you know and, and when and when you know somebody like kirk hammett is calling you know the guitar player in your band a genius he's he's probably on on something you know what i mean yeah so that's great and that's and the gabe, gabe approaches the guitar in a completely different way and uh and it's and it's really beneficial to the band and plus he's like you know a solid guy, a great, you know, close friend and, you know, a great bandmate. And so I think adding him allowed for, uh, for myself, most importantly, to write songs that would be able to, uh, you know, encompass a fourth, you know, a second guitar player and plus his style of of guitar playing, you know, so it kind of really gave us a boost and an uplifting that we needed. And it was the right choice at the end of the day, you know? Well, yeah, and 
I think that's really cool because when I when I listen to the record, I'd listen to the other stuff as well. But there's so many influences that kind of shine through on the new record. I mean, there's there's some thrash on there, yeah. like some new wave of British heavy metal on there, punk, oi, just straight up rock and roll. Yeah. And I can tell that with the four members, especially the two guitar attack, I'm a guitarist myself, so mm. I always listen to that first. But where does I mean, was it a conscious effort that you just said writing the songs it was different with somebody else? But was it a conscious effort to kind of let those influences shine through? I don't know. I think they've always been there for me. I mean, I think that if you listen to any music that I've done, you know, you'll see heavy influences of Motorhead, um, you know, Slade, uh, ACDC. Um, you know, you take a song like 1%, the Bastards record. I mean, that's just a, kind of a sped up ACDC riff, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of like a girl's got rhythm kind of thing, you know? So, I mean, I've always, you know, loved that, that seventies rock and, and I, and I feel, um, you know, bands like ACDC, Motorhead, Slade, Sweet, you know, those glammy kind of bands, um, you know, they were kind of the precursor to, to what we know as punk rock, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, the Ramones obviously invented it, but, um, I think that, you know, we, we for me, it, it was always going to just come out. It was just a matter of, of when, and, you know, growing up in the Bay area and being around the whole thrash scene that was very close to, to the punk scene. And then you had the whole crossover thing happen too. So it, you know, I wasn't really completely into that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I wasn't really into the Motley Cruz or the, or the, you know, those types of uh, rock and roll bands. I always liked, you know, the, the Iron Maidens or the, or, you know, a Slayer or a Metallica, you know, I always would prefer yeah. that. Not that, I mean, but punk rock was always my thing, you know what I mean? And, um, the number one thing. So, and oi and all that shit. So I, 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 I think that just that, you know, as I've gotten older, um, it's just, it's just coming out naturally. And, and it's like, and I, and I can say this for all of us. I think that record is like, if you were to go to any one of our houses and see our record collections, you would find all of those elements in our record collections or all yeah. those bands, you know, because that's kind of what we were into, you know, and it's, you know, just because you're a punk rocker doesn't mean that you only listen to punk rock. I mean, I was like that for many years, you know, but it wasn't like a conscious decision. I only listened to punk rock. It was just, that's <laughs> what I did. You know what I mean? And I missed a lot of like, you know, some of the later kind of, thrashy stuff and i missed a lot of that the first time around but my kids are both metalheads right so i always yeah, yeah. i always liked slayer you know and i always would go see them play and i always loved motorhead but i never really considered a metal band anyway but yeah um you know and i always liked you know like the testaments and things like that i always thought that was good shit i just it wasn't like you know something that i you know went to on the on the every day you know but, you know, my main love, my main passion, the core of it all is like bands like The Last Resort, you know, and fucking, um, you know, GBH. And, yeah, you know, yeah. so GBH got a little bit metallic there, like later on, though. Yeah. I mean, it was that I always like that. And I always like the whole idea of the crossover. You were talking about the crossover in the Bay Area back in the day when you would go to shows back then or even play shows back then. Were there, you know, like the San Francisco type thrashy bands playing shows with punk rock bands? Like, was it a complete crossover? Uh, it, that did happen, but I'll tell you what, it was very gnarly up until 
it was a very gnarly battle because if you know if you were a punk or a skinhead and you saw some metalhead at your show, he wasn't there for long, and vice versa. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, that kind of changed, obviously. Um, and then that was like into the mid '80s when it started to kind of change, and you kind of started to see the long hairs, or we used to call dirt heads. Um, they would come to the shows, and we would go to the other shows because you'd had bands like GBH and the Broken Bones and stuff like that playing with Exodus and Death Angel and and shit like that. So, you know, there was a point where it did kind of cross over. Some of us went to those shows, some of us refused to, you know. But now it's a totally completely different age because you know, like the old From Casuals did some shows with Death Angel, and they were literally wow. some of the best shows that we ever did, you know. And, um, it was pretty amazing, uh, to, uh, to do those types of, of shows. And you realize that it's such a different world now. And I think it's just because of the internet culture, you know, back yeah. in, back in the day when I first started getting into music and buying records and stuff, you know, records were like five, six bucks. And if you got some money for Christmas or, you know, your birthday or whatever, you weren't going to go out and try the new thing. You were going to stick with your culture. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, so, yeah and yeah. you, and, and back then, you know, you really had, if you wanted to be a punk rocker or, or whatever in that subculture, you really had to want it. And what I mean by that is if you're walking down the street, you had to be w- willing to either get your ass kicked for it or, or, or beat somebody up for it. You know, it wasn't like it didn't yeah. come easy. So now today with the internet and stuff like that, where everything's pretty much easily accessible, which I, I think there's good and parts and bad parts about that. You know, I can't be one of those guys that says, you know, you found out some shit on the internet or whatever. So then you became that, but you know, I'm not really like a, one of those dudes. I just kind of like whatever, yeah. whatever floats your boat, you know, <laughs> like we're all human beings having a fucking human experience, like whatever, you know, you gravitate to go for it. You know I mean? I'm not, I'll never ever be like the arbiter of like, you know, some sort of like police, uh, you know, punk cop, you know, like that's not my trip, you know? I think, I think what you were saying was right though, because I remember like, you know, going back to my original thing where I saw you guys, you guys, you and Offspring were my first punk show. It was right when Smash came out, it was starting to get bigger, but the venue was small and I had Punkarama from Epitaph, that first comp. I bought, I ordered and bought every band on that CD's full length. Right. And I, and I just think nowadays, I mean, I teach guitar for a living. I have like 60 students a week. And when I ask these kids, like, what's your favorite band? And they'll say a band. And then I'll say, well, what's your favorite record? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I just listen to Spotify. Like, yeah. I, I used to love holding, you know, that CD or that tape or that record in my hand. And then I would just obsess over a band and get everything. And nowadays it's almost like throwaway. They just listen to one song. No, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm, 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 uh, you know, been, been, uh, hanging out with, with, with a friend of mine as of recent and she's about 10 years younger than me and she's like into songs. She's not really an album person and, but she never really was. You know, and and so it's like a generational thing, I think maybe, and 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 that's not right or wrong. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just the way it is. Um, for me, like it was always the album, you know, and you're going to spend your money on a record. It better be fucking good. Yeah. You know, cause you're spending, this is like $7 that you got or whatever, you know? So I think that with the Spotify and, and the streaming, you know, 
which is something I don't do. I always go out and I purchase music because I feel like number one, that's the right thing to do. And, yeah. and number two, that way that you at least have, have faith that the artist, the people who are making are, are going to get some residual from it. Right. So definitely, um, that's just kind of where I'm at. And I make my kids do the same fucking thing. Um, because that's kind of part of the deal. Um, I've, you know, I've been very blessed and, and, you know, Rancid obviously has had a 26, 27 year, year long career. And we're very blessed, um, that people actually bought our music cause it changed our lives. I've been able to give my kids a better life than I ever had as a result of not only my hard work and, and the music we wrote, but people actually buying it and spending their money on it. So it's like, you know, I'll never, you know, I'll never be ungrateful for that, you know, because that, like I said, it's translating into giving my, my kids a better life. And, uh, so for me, I feel like, you know, it's the same thing. I mean, you know, if it's a band I really like and who knows if they got families or not, it doesn't matter. They might one day will, you know, or one day they might, they might have one. So spend the money on them. I mean, what's 10 fucking dollars on, on some music that you get, you know, hours and hours and hours of enjoyment for you know, with, you know, it's like, to me, it's like, once you buy that record, it's forever, you know, unless you break yeah. it or delete it or whatever the fuck it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you know, I mean, and that's, that's the thing. So, but to go back to my original point, you know, kids don't have to like go spend their only $10 on the, the, uh, the, um, GBH record. They can go and search out what does Slayer sound like? What yeah. does fucking creator sound like? What does fucking Slade sound like? What does fucking um, the New York Dolls or Kiss or ACDC or Rancid or whoever it is? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimi Hendrix, whatever. You know, I think there there are pros and cons because I mean the internet makes it a little bit easier if you want to find out stuff like that. Like I remember, like me, I had to mail order everything. Yeah, I mean, but that I mean, was. But I mean, uh, you know, it's if it's easier to to get your music out there and to expose people to. The, the greatest thing in the world to yeah. me, I don't see any harm in that. Definitely. Yeah. And like I said, it's like, it's a different, it's a different day and age. Now I think that like metal bands and punk bands can play together. You know, you look at some of these festivals, you know, that we've been on personally, like we played with fucking Wycliffe Jean and fucking, um, <laughs> immortal and fucking, you know, emperor and fucking, um, you know, we play with black metal bands on the same, day as we played with fucking the Fugees, you know, or, yeah. or rage against the machine or whatever it is, you know, it's like, it doesn't fucking matter anymore. It's, it's kind of like, you know, for me, my subculture is, is fucking skinhead. Right. So like, that's my shit. My shit is punk rock, oi, fucking street, whatever. That's my thing. That's who I'm always going to be. That's way up fucking been. I've been over like over, you know, three quarters of my life. I've been listening to this music, going to the shows, buying the records and, you know, uh, 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 you know, being part of the culture, right. That's yeah. my whole life. Just because I might ha- like creator and Iron Maiden and ACDC doesn't mean that I'm any less more than who I am. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but, um, for me now today, whatever you gravitate to, I mean, my kids love Slayer as much as they love, um, you know, the exploited okay. or whatever, you know, it, yeah. whatever floats their boat, they like all kinds of shit. They like the Ramones. They like kiss. They like, 
you know, they just like music, you know? And to me, that's the most important thing. They like music. Are your kids musical at all? Do they, oh, yeah. do they play instruments? Oh, yeah. My seven-year-old, he's a, a pretty pretty good drummer. Um, and he's a beast. And I, and, nor, and a lot of the, the songs I work out for either A, The Last Resort, you know, we're just finishing up the new record for them. And then The Last Casuals record. I mean, the whole Thunderbolt song, that was, I, had, I came up with that riff. And I said, hey, Soren, uh, and he was about six at the time. I said, can you come down and work this song out with me? And he's like, yeah, sure. And, wow. and so I played him the riff. And he just started playing a drum beat. And At so, six years old, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy, and man. So when when um, when you know I started kind of formulating the song and kind of bringing the idea to the guys, I already had an idea of the tempo and everything else because I'd done it with my six year old, right? And that's awesome. And then uh, you know I played Soren the recording when we got Paul on it, and and he said, "Oh, you taught Paul my drum parts." And I, <laughs> I was like, and I was like. Paul, I go, Soren thinks I taught you his drum parts. And Paul's so gracious. He's like, yeah, let tell him that. So and he said, why don't you have, and Paul said, why don't you have Soren name the song, you know? And I was like, that's a great fucking idea. So I didn't have any lyrics or anything yet. And I said, hey, Soren, um, you know, Paul, I said, thanks for, for teaching him the drums. Uh, but he, and Paul wants to know if you can name the song. And uh, Soren, without any hesitation, just said, Thunderbolt. And I was like, that's a great fucking title, right? So that's like a punk rock title yeah. too. Like that's awesome. But then I, you know, then Thorin means Thor in Danish, right? Yeah. And so I thought, you know, write the song about Thor, you know, and, and how Thor is like, you know, and, and how Thor is like this, this, uh, you know, and, and kind of, you know, attach it to like, you know, the, the whatever, you know, the sort of, anti-fascist kind of thing you know like yeah you know and 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 how his power and his mythology you know how to use that that ideology and and smash you know that that, i don't know i'm getting esoteric and i don't mean to be but that's kind (laughs) of that's fine man i i I love that there's so much thought put into it i think that's great well it's 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 not never my thinking it's always something like i heard one time an interview with tom petty and he said, yeah, I get connected to the psychic telephone. And I was just like, that's the like perfect explanation, like where a riff comes in your head, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, so you realize it's not actually really you, you know, that's doing it. You're, you're just a, a vehicle, a channel for the information, you know what I mean? And I, I don't want to sound all fucking hippie and weird, but that's kind of the fucking truth. You can't, you can't really like take credit for that and, you know, because that's just ego, right? So... Well, I mean, I feel like that too, because like, I mean, I, I've, I write songs, I play guitar. I almost feel like sometimes the stuff that I write, that's really cool that I really love. It's kind of just up there in the ether and you're just grabbing at it. Like you didn't create it. It was just there and you found it. Right? it that's kind of the, my, my, my sort of uh, relationship with it now too, you know, and the, I think the older you get and the experiences that you have, whether it be in having children or, you know, seeing the world or, or whatever it is, you know you just, you kind of start to figure out like, ah, there is something like out there to connect to, you know, in a weird way. And it's, yeah. it, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's like, it's out there in the ether and you just kind of, you were the one to see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So. I wanted to ask you about, you know, having children. This is something I don't think it's talked about enough, but, uh, 
I had my first son, my first child when I was 37. I never really thought I was going to have kids. You know, I was a touring musician. I was into the punk rock scene. I was just like, you know, I'd like to be a dad, but I don't know if it's ever going to happen. And then it did. And uh, when I found out I was going to be a dad, I sat down and watched the other F word, which is a film that you're in. Yeah. And the stuff that you said in that film. And I mean, I know this is like fanboying out, but it, it made me feel better. Like it, it made me feel like I could do it. And that, you know, when I go to a PTA meeting and I've got my throat tattooed and my knuckles tattooed that, you know what, I'm still a good dad and it doesn't matter. And how, how was it being, I mean, not just on that film, but when you found out you were going to be a dad, like, did it freak you out as well? Well, yeah. I mean, I did have my moments with it because you never think that you're ready to, you know, bring another life into this world. And then you, you know, you also have these thoughts about how shitty the fucked up and, and crazy the world is. And do you want to bring another life into that? And that was my big struggle, you know, because you realize the greed and the, and the self-centeredness, you know, everybody, and I, and I'm living in the center of greed and self-centeredness right now. I mean, you know, and entitlement issues and, and it's, and, you know, you wonder if you're bringing, you know, a life into that, if that, if that's being responsible. And some people have made that choice not to do, to do that, but I, I sort of knew for, and I, and I was, I have to say a little bit selfish in this. I knew that, that the growth that I was going to, to um, acquire on the human level that, that, you know, creating life was going to be part of it. And I always wanted a big family and maybe because, you know, I lost my brother, you know what I mean? It was just me and my mom and my brother for so long. And I always liked the idea of a big family. And, uh, you know, I plan to have more kids at some point, you know, in my life and I'm pushing 50, but, um, I don't feel like I'm 50, but you know, it is what it is. But, and I got a lot of love to give. And so whether that's adopting kids or, or, or whatever it is, I will be, you know, in the thick of it once again, you know, because that's what I want. And, um, you know, hopefully I'll find somebody again to where, you know, I can, I can share that with, but, um, you know, right now, as far as I'm concerned, as a father, and I appreciate your nice comments. Um, you know, I'm only going to raise my children. Like my children are not going to have the experiences I had as a child. Right. And I got to remember that. And some people, you know, I, you know, through this scene, you meet a lot of different types of people, you know, you, you meet people who, you know, stomp their feet and say, I'm fucking working class. I'll be working class till I die and all that stuff. And, and, or you, you know, you get kids from, you know, you get kids from all, all, all the way around, you know, different cultures, different, different backgrounds, different colors, different, you know, sexual uh, preferences, if you want to say so. I mean, you know, the whole punk thing, you know, in San Francisco, there was a lot of like different kinds of people who came to shows, you know, you had different uh, races, cultures, sexuals, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, sexual preferences uh, genders, you know, it, to me, it's, it was nothing new, you know? Yeah. So I, I kind of got exposed to all that at a very young age and it didn't really like, I didn't really think different. Like I didn't even understand the difference in like, I never even saw race until I was like in my early teens. Um, just because I think maybe the neighborhood I grew up in, because it was very multicultural, you know, you had, 
you know, Vietnamese, you had Tongans, Samoans, blacks, Hispanics, um, you know, he had, he had everything. We're, and the thing that, that we all had in common is we were all poor. So you didn't, yeah. you didn't really see color or religion. You know, we had, you know, people coming from Iran. You know, I remember Pagemont was one of my best friends. Hey, this is Chris from that one time on tour. Odds are, if you're listening to this, you're in a band or know someone who is. One of the biggest problems facing bands is finding affordable, high-quality merchandise. Well, not anymore. The Merch Planet offers soft, high-end quality shirts starting as low as $6 a piece. And right now, they are offering 15% off your first order to all TOTOT listeners. They have lightning-fast turnarounds and ship everywhere throughout the U.S. and Canada. Head on over to TheMerchPlanet.com and use the promo code TOTOT15 at checkout. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, so it's, you know, I, I, uh, I think as a father, you know, you're, I, I, for me, the biggest struggle was, am I ready? Um, and you're, and you're, there's never a wrong or right time to have kids. You just do. Yeah, and yeah. there's so fucking, you know, kids are resilient. You know, you got to do a lot to kill them. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. you really do. Like, you know, and I, I just remember after Wolfgang turned his, a year old on his, on his birthday, uh, you know, I cried because I, and I remember I cried so hard because I kept something alive for a year. And I remember my, <laughs> my wife at the time was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I don't know. I think it's because we kept this thing alive for a year because, you know, you succeeded, <laughs> you know, and it's, it was just like this overwhelming emotion, you know, and I was so yeah. connected to this little guy and uh, and I'm still very connected to him and to both of them. But it's 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 uh, it's a strange trip. And I know full well that they're not going to have my experience. So I have to come from a, a different place in a lot of ways. And it's weird because. Like, I'm only going to come from my experience, right? You know, like, I grew up fucking working. I was working poor before it was even a fucking term, right? Yeah. But And I always knew that I wanted to get out of that, that, like, I wanted to make a better life for myself. I didn't want to starve. There was nothing romantic about starving or being yeah. poor or being um, so working class. It's like, yeah, I was fucking working poor, working class. That's always going to be me. But, like... I'm not going to fucking, if I, be, you know, I want a fucking couple million dollars so I can take care of my kids. Like, I'm yeah, never going to yeah. apologize for that. You can suck my dick. You know what I mean? It's that like, was, that's one part of the punk thing that I never understood, you know? Yeah, well, it's whatever. It's bullshit. It's just, it's, it's, it's just ego. It's just like yeah, ego. Yeah. It's like, you can't do this. You can't do it. And I always know that those rules were always invented by the rich kids too. So if you're out yeah. there, you know screaming from your mansion you know when i was a kid that you couldn't do this and couldn't do that while mommy and daddy are paying for college and you're in your house to stay you know it's just like don't fucking come at me like that like i'm i'm a real working class kid i'm a you know i mean you can't take that away from me fuck you yeah. you know what i mean so you know you can take everything else away that's fine but you'll never take that no matter how hard you fucking try you know but my point is is that i have to parent like in a different place like, you know, I'm going to bring my, my, my moral compass with me because that's yeah. who I am. Right. But I also got to remember that they're having a completely different experience than I ever did. They got, you know, two very loving parents in their lives. So even though we might not be together, 
They still have that, right? They have, you know, financial security, right? They're not going to go hungry. They're not going to yeah. go, you know, you know, with, you know, hand-me-downs after hand-me-down, you know, they're not going to go like that. That's just not going to be their experience. They're going to see and view the world on a completely different level than I ever did. And thank fucking God for that. They, yeah, go, to, yeah. they go to a nice school. They're getting educated. They're getting stimulated. Things that never happened to me. No wonder why I went to juvenile hall when I was 11 years old. I was just thinking <laughs> about it. Like my son, my oldest is 12. By his age, I had already been drunk, stoned, laid to my first punk show. I mean, he saw Slayer when he was nine, so he kind of beats me. But, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I'm saying? Like I already been in juvenile hall by 11 years old. But, yeah. You know, he, he's just, he's like, he's into his skateboard. He's into his music. He's into his, you know, Fortnite and, you know, or Borderlands or whatever it is this week. And he's got his homies that he kicks it with. You know what I mean? He's super intelligent. He wants to start his own skateboard company. They got a name. He's got two business partners. You know, I mean, it's just like some school shit or whatever, but it's super funny because he, like, he's already thinking about being something. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's pretty fucking cool. You know what I mean? So for me, like, that's where a lot of the gratitude comes from with, uh, of my life, of my yeah, life yeah. experience, what I've been given so you know, generously by people who have supported me making music, whether it be in Rants or any band, you know, I'm completely and utterly grateful and at your disposal because now you've in turn given my kids a life beyond, you know, anything I ever could have dreamed of for myself, you know? So that's the way I really see it. It's like, I'm, I'm able to do things for my kids as a result of being, you know, um, taken care of by so many people who have supported me personally through the music, you know? Yeah. So, and like I said, as a father, you just gotta, you know, you gotta remember, you gotta educate yourself on the, on the times, you know, it's, it's like, if you're still trying to rule from that place of when you grew up, you know what I mean? I'm sure you can get some results, but like, you know, I, you know, I, I can only talk from my own personal experience. I have to kind of, you know, try to take a look at the world through their eyes, if, if that's possible, you know? Yeah. So, so, uh, we'll get back on, uh, the tour stuff. Thank you though. I mean, as, as being a, you know, a fairly new father, only the last three years, that movie really did change things for me. So, and, and your, your part especially. So thanks for talking about the, oh, yeah. the dad, the dad stuff. I oh, appreciate yeah. it. Oh yeah. But, uh, so you, you mentioned Kirk Hammett. Yeah. Now I, I started in metal and then I found punk, and it kind of changed everything for me. And I still love metal. <clears throat> Metallica was a big deal for me. Sure. You said, you know, you guys toured with them in 96 on Lollapalooza. Yep. You also toured with them in South America. Yeah. How did that kind of relationship come about? I know you guys are all from the same sort of area out there. Well, James and Lars, I think, are L.A. guys. But Kirk and Cliff were, were, were Bay Area guys, you know? Yeah. So, And I think, every, I think the Bay Area sort of claimed Metallica as their own even though those two guys were, were, were Southern California, you know? And I think they probably have an affinity for Northern California, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we just, I think Lars was the initial connection, you know, back in 96. Um, they weren't really that, I mean, we, we, were, we were hanging out with the Ramones that whole tour. So, you know, if and when we did see Metallica, you know, it was always very, you know, they were always very nice and gracious to us. And we always had that Bay Area connection. Um, and then when we just did South America with them, you know, it was like, we were, we were hanging out a lot more, you know, and there was a lot more in common, you know, um, than there was back then, maybe, I don't know, or maybe we just didn't explore it enough, but, um, 
you know, it's like some of my, my good friends, like I'm friends with a lot of, you know, Gary Holt, you know, plays in Slayer and Exodus. I talk to him periodically, you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm the type of person that, that if I, the way I've matured over in my, and over my life, I've met, you know, a lot of, of really amazing musicians. I do what I do and they do what yeah. they do and I can sit and appreciate what they do. And I'm sure that they probably feel the same. I don't really know, but, um, you really find out the commonalities that you have with people. Just, it just it's just different types of music you know and i would say it's yet the same though because it's punk and metal you know and especially the thrash stuff that started in the street that came from the street yeah and thrash was just the amalgamation of punk into metal you know what i mean i mean i always thought that kill em all was pretty much a punk record with some guitar solos that's how i always felt well you know it's so funny because i was talking me and hetfield were hanging out one night after we played in it's either brazil or or chili or whatever. And we were out to dinner, we we're eating and and I was talking about um the the latest record with with him hardwired. And I said, "You know that track uh I cuz we were talking about the record. He's like, "What's your favorite track on the record?" I go, "Spit out the bone." Hell yeah, dude. And Hell he goes, yeah. He goes, "Thank you, GBH." Like that's what he said. <laughs> and I go, "Yeah, you're welcome, GBH." You know what I mean? Like Oh yeah. my god, that's, that's awesome. But that's what like you know, he knows. He gets it. Yeah. You know, that was his influence, you know? And it's like, it was my, I've got GBH tattooed on my hand. Like, yeah, that's my band, you know? And um, I always would say, you know, if you make your band 51% GBH and 49% Motorhead, you've got a great band. Hell yeah, man. You know what I mean? So, and that's what I've always wanted to try to make the casuals, you know? And I also wanted to put the rock and roll to it as well. So I, I know, you know, speaking of kind of bigger shows, you guys just played with the Misfits, correct? Yeah, we're playing with them on Saturday at Madison Square Garden. In New York. Okay, so it's coming up. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it had happened yet. Or, yeah. or are you pretty stoked for that? Well, listen, let me just tell you th- something like, you know, as a young kid. You know, the idea of playing Madison Square Garden is like the furthest from your mind. Yeah, yeah. Totally. The impression that I have of Madison Square Garden has nothing to do with music, though. It has everything to do with pro wrestling and watching and Superfly Jimmy Snuka, you know, jump off the top of the cage onto Don Morocco. You know, that was Madison Square Garden. That's why it's so exciting for me to play. It's not the. Oh, that's I, awesome. You know, it's it has to do with wrestling. You know, which is the funny part. So, but you know, when I was a kid, you know, the big thing to do was Saturday Night Live. Or the Oakland Coliseum, right? That's if you could do those, yeah. you know, or the arena, whatever they call it now. But we we referred it to as the Coliseum, whatever. Um, but if you could do one of those, then that was like it. Madison Square Garden was not even a that was like a, not even a thing, you know. Yeah. You, that was not even a reachable, attainable goal, <laughs> right? You know, that's <laughs> yeah. that's something that's just like whatever and i haven't even done it yet so i'm i'm gonna be careful what i say yeah totally well hey it's funny that you brought up you know making it would be you know the coliseum or saturday night live uh this is something that i've got to tell you uh i used to be in a bunch of different bands we did warp tour all the time 
there was a warp tour where we weren't playing. We actually just went to it. And our merch guy, Isaac, who's one of my best friends, and he's a huge Rancid fan as well. We went up to and met you at the merch table. And uh, he told you that you were his favorite band performance ever on Saturday Night Live. And you talked to us for like a half hour and said no one had ever told you that before. <laughs> well, that's probably true. Um, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like me. But yeah, I mean, so the the the, the uh, playing that that you know that was I had three things. My point to the to to this long narrative is is I had three things on my bucket list, right? That I yeah. figured if I could do this as a musician, then I'm cool, you know. And then I would just gonna have to think of a new bucket list. One of yeah. them, one of them is the Oakland Coliseum. The second is Saturday Night Live, and the third of obviously is Madison Square Garden. Knowing that was the unachievable you know, goal. Yeah. Like I thought, no, that, that's never going to happen. <laughs> that will never happen. There's just and no now way. It's There's happen, no right? way they're going to put a punk band on that stage. There's just no way. Yeah. And then little, you know, did you know they're putting a few punk bands on that stage and it's going to be the biggest punk show probably ever. That's great, man. You know, you know, get, get, get what I'm saying? Like that's like, yeah, I don't know where there would be a bigger punk show. I mean, you got the Misfits, us, the Damned. I mean, it's like it's a pretty, that's a pretty gnarly thing to think about. Yeah, you know how far the music has come. You know, some people I'm sure might have their discrepancies about it or their opinions about it. You know, you know, th there's always something to complain about. But then there's a yeah, gonna be yeah. a, the majority of the people are going to be celebrating that. You know. And I remember when it got announced, like all of my New York homies, whether it be from Madball or Murphy's Law or Agnostic Front or all these guys are hitting me up saying, dude, congratulations. <laughs> you know, one of us got in there. You know, one of the brothers is doing this. You know, it's like that felt pretty good. Yeah, man. You know? I mean, that's a huge not only is it a huge show, but I mean, the reunited, you know, original misfits like that's. That's just a huge thing. I know we. I had Brandon, your drummer, on the program last year, and we talked about the Misfits. This is way before I knew you guys were ever going to do this, and right. I, I bet he's freaking out because I know he likes them as well. Yeah, I mean, they weren't, you know, they weren't, they were special to me for a moment, but they weren't really my thing. You know, what I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, of course, respect them, love them, own their records, but it's not like I would, they, you know, I would. I, I, you know, I think they're great. Obviously, I think they're, you know, iconic and and legendary. But I mean, like I said, my taste was more the business, the last resort. Yeah. You know, yeah. Cockney Rejects. I did love the Misfits. I mean, I, I'm not. I got to give them credit where credit is due. I mean, you know, they changed the whole thing. You know, but um, I mean, that's mo one of the most iconic images in the world. Is there, you know, Crimson Ghost, right? So yeah, yeah. But yeah. So, uh, do you have a new bucket list started? Have you tried yet? Well, yeah. I mean, it's obviously things that I want to do with my kids, you know? Okay. Yeah. And, um, so, I mean, it's my professional life, if you want to call it that, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, it would be that, but, um, you know, but then, you know, I, there's always things to do, you know, I, you know, making a record with the last resort. I mean, fuck. I mean, that's like one of my all time favorite bands. And then, that's amazing. You know, man. and now I'm, you know, the guitar player. That's that to me is the trippy shit. That's like the weird, like pinch myself. I mean, I've, I've played a handful of shows with them now and I literally have had to pinch myself <laughs> and not make mistakes because I'm up there and I see Roy to my left doing his thing. 
singing like only Roy can sing. And that's like outer body shit. That's like some, that's some next level stuff. And then like, you know, being in Stomper 98, there's another one. It's like, I love that band. I never, ever thought I would ever, ever be in a band like that. Yeah. You know, they don't even sing in English. They sing in German, right? (laughs) That's great. man. So to me, it's like, you know, these are bands that like I loved and admired so much. And now that I'm playing and part of them and writing songs and doing the whole thing with them, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a trip, man. It's a fucking trip. Um, and to me, like, that's my life right now. And, uh, it's, it's, it's been really sort of eye opening, you know, for me in a lot of ways, how, you know, Number one, I got so much to be fucking grateful for, you know what I mean? And as much as I can, you know, focus on negative things, you know, in my life, you know, personal life or whatever it is, you know, I can go there pretty easily, you know, because I'm a human being. But, you know, I'm just I'm I'm able to make music for, uh, you know, my passion is, is, is how I'm able to feed my family with some aspects of 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 it, you know, but uh it's a pretty unique place to be in when you're, when you're able to express yourself through music, that something I've loved so dearly from so young. And I get to do it with a bunch of like-minded people who, you know, obviously feel the same about the music because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's not about, you know, notoriety or money or, or anything like I would be doing this no matter what. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's just the case. And, and that's the thing, you know, for me that I always remember, like no matter how bad life can get, I still have this and I'll always have this. And, you know, no one can, you know, you know, only I can take away that, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I, I know we've been on the phone for a while. I have some listener questions. I wanted to get out of the way if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Okay. So, uh, my first listener question is, uh, Bob from California. The first thing he wants you to know is, is that his cat is named Lars and he's, a, he's actually named after you. Awesome. He wanted to know if you would give his cat a shout out on the podcast. And he wanted to know if you have any pets of your own. Well, you know what? I'm a cat person and I have been a cat person my whole life. Um, uh, yes. Um, the, 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 um, the, the kids have a dog and his name is Slayer. And he's a, and he's a 120 pound puppy. He's a Bernese mountain dog and, uh, he's huge. Um, so yes. And, and to the cat Lars, much love and respect, big, major, (laughs) major, big ups, big ups to the cat, the cat Lars. Stay true. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, Carl from Vermont, he wants to know how many vinyl records do you own in your collection? Um, probably around 7,000, I think. Wow. And he also had a side note, any, any like super rare records? Oh, I've got major rare records. I've got test pressings of things. I used to have a, the, funny enough, I had, I, for a long time, I had a, a, a Misfits Walk Among Us acetate. Really? Yeah. And, Dude. um, I think I gave <laughs> That's it, awesome. yeah, I, I think I gave it away like an idiot. Cause I'm sure that thing's worth the fucking a grip, but, um, yeah, no, I got a lot of like very rare, you know, punk, um, seven inches and, and, and vinyl records. I, 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 I collect, you know, metal records, psychobilly, 
um, anything that really kind of floats my boat. You know, if I'm, if I'm into it, I got, I, I like a lot of bootlegs. Um, yeah. I've got you know, motorhead obviously is my, my big, you know, my band besides GBH. So I've got like 150 motorhead records, like, you know, <laughs> wow. every pressing, you know, I'm kind of like that guy, you know what I mean? How how are you with like organizing the collection? Oh shit, seven thousand. I mean, are they alphabetized Bro. and everything? Bro. I'm a Virgo. I'm a Virgo. My closet starts like my closet is like a rainbow. Okay, it's like okay. you know what I'm saying. Like I got it. I got to see everything. And so yes, all alpha alphabeticalized. Um, I even go out and I buy those you know record dividers. And if I have enough of enough uh, of a certain band, I'll I'll give them their own little space. You know. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Okay. So one more listener question, excuse me, bud from Australia wants to know if there's any plans for rancid to come back. It's been 21 years. Yeah. 1999, I think was the last time we were there. Well, I don't, I don't know. I can't give you an honest answer to that. Um, it's definitely something that's been talked about. I just don't think it's ever been something that's, that's, um, you know, there's always other shit going on. You know what I mean? So it's it's tough. I know a lot of people from Australia really want us to come. And I'm really sorry that we haven't been there in so long. Um, but yeah, I mean, we will make it down there. You're just, I'm sorry, you know, and I, we appreciate your patience. It just might, you know, when, when something comes, it seems right. We'll do it. Yeah. So uh, that kind of leads me into my last question then. Uh, I've had you on the phone for long enough. I'm going to let you get back to your day. What does the future hold for, you know, all of your bands in the next, say, year? Well, the casuals, you know, Rancid obviously doing the Madison Square Garden show. I'm I'm actually leaving tomorrow. So I'm going to go up to Maine for a little bit and hang out and uh, go exploring. And because I've never really been to that state. And that's like one of those bucket list things that I was talking about. I'm, I'm trying to take some time to sort of go see some things. Like I've been to a million places, but I've never seen them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go and, and, and trek around a little bit. And, um, then, uh, you know, Rancid plays, uh, the show with the misfits and the casuals got some stuff. We got a little tour with Madball in December. We're doing some local stuff here at the end of December. And I think, uh, obviously the rock, the ship show with pirates press that's on the 20th. Um, last resort, I'm going over in November to finish up Roy's vocals and, uh, start, you know, hopefully that record's out, um, middle, eh, probably before summer next year. Uh, cause I just finished all the, the basic rhythms and then, uh, Oxy's Midnight Runners is kind of just standing still right now, sort of kind of holding pattern, um, there's been a lot of like personal stuff that's been going on for a few of us. So we're just kind of working all that out and making sure everything's kind of settling down. Um, Stomper 98, obviously, since we're all, you know, two of their members are living in America, Phil from the Templars in New York and me out in California. I think they're going to do some shows pretty soon. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, you like to stay busy, man. That's what I can say. I do. I do, but you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, as I'm getting a little older now, I'm uh, realizing that you know there are some things that I need to, you know, my kids have always been number one important, and as they're getting older, you know, it's kind of it was a little easy. Well, I can't really say it was, it's ever been easy, but 
you know, when they're, when they're super young, they, they sort of don't realize that you're gone, <laughs> you know, cause they're just babies yeah. or whatever. And now that they're sort of dad, are you really leaving again? It's kind of going, I'm kind of going, ah, maybe I need to slow down a little bit because, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, I really appreciate, you know, and I'm so grateful for the life I've been given as a result of this thing. But, you know, my kids are always going to be number one important. Um, they're always going to be more important than any any woman, any band, any song, anything. They're always going to be number one. So I think I think that's a good place to leave it, man. I feel the same way. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the program today, man. It, it like I said, it means a lot to me and. I've always been a fan of your art and uh, I don't know. I just think you're a real stand up guy, man. So thank thanks you. bro. Thank you, Ben. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm sorry. We are playing so such cat and mouse for so long. <laughs> well, I'm just glad we made it happen, man. And uh, hopefully in the future, when one of your mini bands has something come out, you'll come back and talk to us again, man. Sounds good, buddy. Cool. I'll talk to you later, Lars. Thanks. Right, bye. So there it was my conversation with Lars Fredrickson. I had such a great time talking to Lars and I hope that he will come back in the future. He was just so easy to talk to, man. Like he's one of the guys where I was, I was kind of, kind of (laughs) nervous, but as soon as we started talking about stuff, especially talking about having kids and stuff, that was just great. And I I urge you, if you haven't seen the other F word, that documentary, uh, they concentrate mainly on Jimmy from Pennywise, but, uh, you guys need to check it out. It's really, really cool. And Lars's whole segment on the documentary is very eye-opening and just very comforting if you're going to be a father and uh, you were like me, who is someone that's covered in tattoos. And I felt a little weird about being a dad. I felt like, you know, people might judge me. So Lars helped me out a lot with that. And I was glad that I was able to tell him that. I know sometimes it seems like I'm fanboying out on these people, but you have to realize, man, if you went back and told like 15, 16 year old me that, hey, man, you're going to be talking to all these people that you idolize. I wouldn't believe you. So uh, if I'm being a fanboy with some people, you've just got to deal with it, man. Like put yourself in my shoes. That's how I feel when I talk to these people. But um, I'm going to get out of here. I do have to tell you guys, make sure to check out rocktheshipfestival.com for all of the details on this upcoming weekend's huge, awesome party in Oakland, California for Pirates Press Records, their 15-year anniversary. You Not only do you have the old firm casuals playing, subhumans are playing, uh, Matt from Rancid's other band, Charger, they're amazing as well. So check it out. Like I said, rocktheshipfestival.com. And while you're over there, you know, go to piratespressrecords.com and buy some vinyl, man. They sent me the brand new Old Firm Casuals record. They sent me the new Charger record, the new Subhumans record. That place is amazing. Skippy over there at Pirates Press is great. And you guys need to support him and keep this thing going for at least another 15 years. So, like I said, I'm going to get out of here. Next week on the program, very excited for this. You get to hear my conversation with Mr. Joey Cape from Lagwagon. Another one where I probably fanboyed out a little bit too much. Uh, Lagwagon is one of my favorite bands. I've been listening to them since, you know, freshman, sophomore year in high school. It's crazy. And Joey and I had such a great conversation. They are on tour currently with Face to Face. So yeah, if they come into your neck of the woods, you need to go see it. Their drummer, Dave, I'm friends with him on Facebook and he keeps posting all these really cool, like drummer perspective videos from, you know, when they're playing live and it's, it's awesome. You cannot beat Lagwagon. They're amazing. So uh, yeah, come back next week for episode number 76 with Joey Cape from Lagwagon. Until then, I'm going to leave you guys with a couple songs 
I'm going to play my one of my favorite songs off the, the, the most recent Old Firm Casuals record. It's off of Holger Danska, which I, I told Lars my Danish is not very good. Uh, this is the song that we talked about where his six-year-old son helped him come up with everything, and his six-year-old son named the song. It's called Thunderbolt, and then I'm also going to play some classic Rancid, Roots Radicals, off of Outcome the Wolves. You guys, if you haven't heard that, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. So uh, I also want to give a shout out to the cat, Bob's cat that we talked about that's named after Lars. Uh, You can actually check out his new Instagram now. You can check out Lars the Cat's Instagram. It is punkrocklarsfoster at Instagram. And it, uh, it's, uh, it belongs to our awesome Patreon producer, Punk Rock Bob Foster over on Instagram. So check that out. Give the cat a couple likes. And uh, yeah, you know, cats are cool. Cats listen to the podcast. Lars gave him a shout out. You might as well go check it out. So uh, yeah, that is Lar- Punk Rock Lars Foster at, on Instagram if you like cats. So you can check it out. But I'm going to get out of here. So here we go. Old Firm Casuals with Thunderbolt off of their awesome record on Pirates Press Records, Holgeter Danska, and then a little bit of classic Rancid, Roots Radicals. I love you guys. Thanks for the support. Come back next week for episode 76. This is Chris signing off. See ya!
Pirates Press and Pirates Press Records, and you're listening to That One Time on Tour. If you haven't already, please check out rocktheshipfestival.com. Pirates Press is celebrating its 15th anniversary by throwing a punk rock show on the deck of an aircraft carrier here in the Bay Area. We've got Cox Bar, Subhumans, Street Dogs, Off With Their Heads, Monster Squad, The Drowns, and Territories, and seven other club shows to go with it. Tickets are cheap and going fast. That's rocktheshipfestival.com. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.